In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Good morning to all of you. The homily this morning is about men who try to appear greater and better than they are. About men who try to appear greater and better than they are. Key verse on this, verse 37. And they, James and John, said to him, Grant us to sit one at the right hand and one at the left in thy glory. And the main point I would like to make is this. We must share in the sufferings of Christ before we share in his glory. And this gospel lesson begs the question, are we listening? Are we truly listening to the voice of the Lord, that still small voice within us, or are we preoccupied, preoccupied perhaps with our own glory? St. Nikolai makes this observation. Why do men try to appear greater and better than they are? The grass in the field does not attempt this. Neither do the fish in the water or the birds in the air. Why then do men do this? Because they were, in reality, at one time, greater and better than they are now. And the shadow of this memory urges them to exaggeration of their greatness and their goodness on a string pulled taut and let go by demons. This, this is the exaggeration. The demons are, are pulling on us. Pulling on us and letting us go. Like puppets on a string, like a rubber band. These hymns in the daily Octoikos, I become the plaything of the devil. I don't want to be that way. I don't think you want to be that way. But sometimes the light goes on, the reality strikes, and we say, that's exactly what's happening to me. The story, the gospel lesson actually begins, well, it begins where it begins, but it, it begins on, on 32b, but the first part of that verse begins with these words. Now they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was going on before them, and they were amazed, and they followed, and they were afraid. It appears that contrary to custom of walking among his disciples, that Jesus was walking ahead of them 
to show not only his voluntary passion, but that he was hastening to his voluntary passion. And further, it states that this, that this action taken by the Lord Jesus, that it didn't simply puzzle them, it made them afraid. Perhaps afraid that what he had told them so many times before about all those terrible and unimaginable things would indeed come to pass. Here's an illustration. This was not the first time of the disciples' preoccupation with themselves and their own status had gotten the best of them. Quote, But these weaknesses showed themselves at such a moment by God's permission so that succeeding generations should see all the weaknesses the sinful fallenness and nothingness of human nature. So, for example, when the Lord gave a hard saying about the rich, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God, Peter questioned the Lord about the reward of each of the disciples and said, What shall we have then? And on another occasion, the Lord had been speaking to his disciples about his betrayal, his suffering, his death. And the disciples followed on behind him, disputing among themselves who was the greatest. Knowing their thoughts and hearing the secret discussion, Christ on that occasion took a child and set it in their midst. And taking the child up in his arms, upbraided them for their dispute about preeminence, using the child as an example. This verse, Jesus took his twelve disciples and began to tell them what was to happen. So why did he repeat this over and over and over again? St. Nikolai says, in order to root out the last germ of pride that he could discern within them and that showed itself at this particular moment. Further, for them not to be taken unaware by the terrible events and be cast into despair instruction and destruction of all the hope that they had in their hearts. And in this way, his clear perception in foretelling all that was come to pass, would give them light as a strange, mysterious ray, illuminating and warming their souls to prepare them for their own suffering and cross. They do these things in a green tree. What shall be done in the dry? Jesus asked. If they have persecuted me, he says, they will also persecute you. And so he was preparing them. But they're not listening. They're preoccupied. Grant us to sit at thy right hand and one at the left in thy glory. How gentle the meek Lord is. St. Nikolai again, 
any ordinary mortal, mortal teacher would be furious with his disciples and would yell at them, get away from me. You're not fit to be taught about spiritual things. I've been telling you and explaining to you for three years and you're still talking as though you don't understand a thing. However, <laughs> the Lord answers them clearly, but also meekly and gently, ye know not what ye ask. That's the Lord. So how might we apply this to ourselves and our own lives on this day? How can we apply this lesson the Lord gives his disciples as he hastily, voluntarily ascends into the holy city to meet his life-giving passion and death, his burial and resurrection? Jesus said, Whoever would be great among you must be servant of all, and whoever would be first among you must be the servant of all. And if the Son of Man also came not to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. What, is, what does the word ransom mean? It means a payment to free someone captive. He gave his life as a ransom for many. So to whom did he pay the ransom? Not to the Father. Not to the devil. The, the anaphora of St. Basil the Great says, He gave a ransom to death. He paid death with his death and defeated death. And so how do we ransom our loved ones? Jesus ransomed us whom he loved. He ransomed our loved ones from spiritual captivity and death by dying. By dying. By dying to ourselves by dying to our own glory, by dying to our hard-heartedness, by dying to our self-will, and by being silent before our accusers and, praising, and praying to our Heavenly Father. How was St. Mary of Egypt towards her accusers, the demons in the wilderness? She was silent. We hear much talk about the social order of our day, a new social order, the new world order, where equality and rank are instituted. How? by force, by wealth, by luxury, or by education, authority by status, power, wealth, 
and, head, and, and education and inheritance. Lordship by force. Subjugation based on fear. Conscripted service motivated by terror. Are we to believe that such preeminence, preeminence, glory, that it brings peace, love, harmony, admiration among our fellow citizens? Jesus Christ, by his voluntary pa uh, passion, he established a new social order. 2,000 years ago, he established a new social order. This new world order begins with love for my fellow man. It begins with servanthood towards other people. It begins with voluntary sacrifice for the sake of the greater good. And so let us voluntarily share in the sufferings of Christ. Let us follow Him in His saving way as He goes to His voluntary passion. May we cry out with the Apostle Thomas with sincerity. Let us also go that we may die with Him. And so that we may live with Him and share in the glory of His eternal kingdom. O Lord Jesus Christ, our God, receive us into that army of the saved and the glorified. Be merciful unto us on that last day, and may thy blood shed on the cross for our sins, purify our conscience from preoccupation with our own glory and from dead works that we may serve Thee, the living God, together with the Father and the Holy Spirit, now and ever and unto ages of ages. Amen.